The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Welcome to the final Talkin' Buds podcast of the 2018-19 season. Rye, we're, it's been just about a week since the devastating Game 7 loss to the Boston Bruins. We decided to wait to do our end of the year show, let the dust settle, let some things blow over. And I'm kind of happy we did that. Before we keep going, how are you feeling a week after the fact? I'm over it. I think I'm over it at this point. You come to terms with all the things that went wrong, and there's just a lot of things they need to improve on, and we've talked about it all year, all throughout this season on this podcast, all the things they need to work on. And after the emotion is gone and you just think about it, it's just... I'm I'm just I'm over it because I understand why they couldn't make it through and why even if they did make it through they probably wouldn't win a Stanley Cup so I'm kind of looking forward to the offseason what they do they have a lot of stuff to figure out so I'm just gearing myself up for that and that right there is exactly why I'm happy that we waited because I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on this past season I want to focus on what's ahead and what's to come So off the top of the show here, let's just take five minutes, talk about the season that was, and we're going to switch it up. We're going to do Bum and Beauty off the top. We're going to name the Bum of the season and the Beauty of the season. So Ryan, describe in one word, describe the 2018-19 Toronto Maple Leafs to me. Predictable. Oh, that wasn't the word I was going to choose. I was going to go with, I was going to go with disappointing. Yeah, disappointing, yeah, but I think it's predictable. Like, all year we knew they were playing Boston, and about halfway through the season when we for sure knew we were playing Boston, we all picked Boston to win the series. So, at the end of the day, I found it very predictable. And I'm going to say disappointing because it's not all doom and gloom. Mitch Marner had a career season. John Tavares had a career season. Austin Matthews. Numbers were right around where they should be with his past seasons. Freddie Anderson was in the Vesna conversation right up until the end, so it wasn't all bad. But we said, if you go back to episode one of Talking Buds this year, we said anything less than the second round should be considered a failure. And this season, you're going to hear me reference this probably a lot tonight in this show when talking about the future. But this is the first 
season, first ending of a season in the Brendan Shanahan, Mike Babcock, Kyle Dubas era that doesn't feel like just part of the process. Like this feels different. This feels like this team didn't get the job done. This feels like a failure to me. Yeah, that's honestly, that's the perfect way to put it is the whole rebuild Shanna plan. It's all happened. We got our guys. The fact that you get bounced again in the first round and you still have the same controversies you did exactly 365 days ago with the coach and some of the decisions and the defense not being good enough and just it, it kind of back to where it was a year ago. And I know they had a better series against the Bruins, but uh, like it's it's kind of we're all back to where we were a year ago. It was still a failure. It was still a choke job. They had a chance. Game six was their opportunity to put that series away, and they didn't do it, and it cost them. And I think yeah, that's we, why we all felt doom and gloom after game six, because none of us had a good feeling about going back to Boston for game seven. And you know what? We we can sit and talk about the positives like Mitch Marner throughout the regular season and John Tavares throughout the regular season, but a week removed from that game seven loss. The one thing that is still fresh with me is I don't care about the regular season. I don't, this is a good enough hockey team. There's enough talent on this team to perform during the regular season. Got a gold, good goaltender. You should be able to be a perennial playoff team in this division and in this Eastern conference, whether you're a wild card team, whether you're one of the top three teams in your division, I just kind of expect now that they're going to make the playoffs. It, it only being a week out, I'm still kind of just hyper-focused on what happened in that series. I'm kind of just, you know what, Marner had an unreal year, cool. Does, I don't care right now. John Tavares, unreal year. Like I, I'm, I'm still kind of focused on that playoff series. So even though those guys had great years, I'm still, I, I'm kind of, those kind of in the rear view for me now. Talk a little bit about Zach Hyman admits last week in a locker cleanout that he played on a torn ACL. Had that makes surgery no today. Sense. Yeah, he played he had surgery today that. and it's going to be a 6-month recovery. Is there so like, he might miss training camp. Yeah, is there like a different types of torn ACLs? Like I don't know if that makes any sense, but like I've seen dudes go down in every sport with a torn ACL and they're they're down. Yeah. Like they're not getting up. Yeah. Like I guess this guy, I, I this guy's giving it a hundred every shift on a torn ACL. Like, I just want to know, I'm no medical professional, but I just want to know how he was able to do that because I've seen guys go down immediately after tearing an ACL. I don't, uh, I don't know the specifics of the severity of the injury, but it was revealed that it was a torn ACL. And so wow. that's yeah. unbelievable. What a, what I can't believe warrior. Yeah. I can't believe he was still able to be one of the fastest skaters on the ice with that. Like what? Like, I don't get that. All right. And with that, we're going to, like I said earlier, I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. We're going to do bum and beauty of the season right here, right now. Hit the intro music. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. I 
That's right, Ryan. Bum and beauty of the season. I have a feeling we will have uh, similar choices for bum of the season. So, But let's start with beauty. I will go first, and I will piggyback off what we just talked about. I'm going to say Zach Hyman is my beauty of the season. We talked all year about how this guy just got chirped for two straight seasons playing on Matthew's line. You and I were part of it. We disagreed with his um, position on that line or him being put in that situation. And this year he stepped up. He was a key part of the Leafs' top line. He was somebody who brought an element of physicality and grit to a team that really lacked that all season. And then he goes into the playoffs, freaking tears his ACL, and is still going out there. At one point he looked at Mike Babcock and said, I think I'm getting better, which is hilarious. Yeah, wow. So, so Zach Hyman gets my beauty of the season. Yeah, that's it. Obviously, there's the obvious choices, the the Marners, the Tavares, the Andersons, but I'm going to go with my beauty of the season and probably the guy I picked the most as a beauty of the week is Morgan Riley. Yep. I just said, I'm kind of going back on what I just said, but I said I didn't really care about the regular season, but I, I just think what he did offensively during the year was just one of the biggest improvements I've seen out of a player who who's been in the league like a while. Like it's not like he just is his second or third year. Like he's always had offensive promise. We never really saw it in this year. It was his time. And just, I was just totally astounded by the amount of op- offensive production he put up during the regular season and the amount of minutes he had to play and just his leadership in general. So Morgan Riley is my beauty of the season. All right, so now it's time for bum of the season, and let's just get it out of the way. Which one of us is going to take Patrick Marlowe? Well, I'm taking William Nylander. Okay, so I will take Patrick Marlowe. Um, what, what is left to say? I mean, we're going to talk about him when we start going through the roster, but to be on the contract that he's on and to play the way he played all year and just not able to produce and just look like he's washed and and that it's the game and the speed of the game's caught up with him and again probably the greatest guy you'll ever meet anyone who who knows him vouches for that all the guys love him but he just makes too much money in an ideal world I'd love to have Patrick Marlowe at like two and a half three million playing on the fourth line being a mentor to the young guys but that's not reality that there's just that cap hit is too high and it just wasn't good enough this year so patrick marlowe is my bum of the season yes patrick marlowe tough season but let me get started on the bum of the year without a doubt unanimous from start to finish william bill nylander Wow, man. Like, from day one, this guy has been the maybe the hottest topic for this hockey team since day one of the season. Holds out for a contract. Finally gets his contract. It's a, He got overpaid. And then he comes back, and guess what? He sucked all season. Did nothing. Horrible pace on points for the amount of games he played. No offensive production. We already know what he gives you defensively. That's nothing. You know what he gives you physically. It's nothing. And his effort most of the night is pathetic. And then you go to the playoffs. He has that one big goal in game one. Kind of gets put in a tough spot with Kadri getting suspended. Going to center with two of those wingers. But, man, just all year. Like, what 
what positive did you have for William Nylander this season? Like, at least for Patty Marlowe, you could be like, oh, the guys love him. He's a beauty. I, I can't think of one positive that William Nylander brought to this well, season. Like, I said I, it last episode. I I couldn't. I, I, I was trying to remember his positive moments in the season. And none. other than scoring a big goal in Montreal on like a Saturday night game on Hockey Night in Canada, that that was really it. And he got the goal in game one against the Bruins. Yeah, but. that to me, that was his biggest moment of the year. And Kadri set him up with a beauty pass. It wasn't like he created it by himself. He just sprung free. And for once, the stretch pass actually worked. Maybe that should be my second bum of the year, the stretch pass. But <laughs> it, it, it just... William Nylander, I, I, I just... Dude, it's just... it's It's been negative all year. So he has to be my bum of the year. Has to be. All right. Well, there you have it. So let's move into like looking ahead to the future. I've got a bunch of things down here, a bunch of topics that I'm going to run through with you with respect to the roster, and then we're going to save the main event for last. So let's start with the biggest storyline going into the offseason, the most important storyline in the offseason. Ryan, Mitch Marner currently does not have a contract. The Maple Leafs will have to get him signed, and will have to do so without further crippling themselves in the salary cap. There's been a lot of talk the last few days. The offer sheet talk has returned. I don't know whether to buy an offer sheet or not. I think if you're going to give someone an offer sheet, the price of the four first-round picks is just like ridiculously high. I don't care who the player is. But maybe if a team wanted to mess with Kyle Dubas and the Leafs management team, they, they would toss Marner an offer sheet. And then they would have to match and pay probably even more than they were going to pay on a on an extension that they would have negotiated themselves. In an ideal scenario, you want to get Marner in at like ten million. That's what I think. And I think if you're obviously they're going to go in his Marner's group and ask for Matthews deal, and they're gonna they're gonna make a argument as to why he should be paid less than Austin Matthews given the production and all that sort of thing, but. Just the reality is centermen and scoring centermen at that and franchise centermen at that are they're they're the premium of the NHL. They're the 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 unicorns. They're the ones who are gonna get paid all the money. And so if you're Kyle Dubas, you're arguing back that Mitch is a winger. You're going to use the fact that he wasn't as effective in games two through seven of the playoff series against Boston. And you want to get him in at 10 million. I just think that if you're going to have three guys making 11 million, then that's going to be awfully hard to manage that and sign other guys and improve your team from a cap perspective. Your thoughts. What has Kyle Dubas taught us this year? That he is willing to just get spanked in negotiation. This guy is not winning any negotiation. That 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 is one thing I can guarantee. Mitch Marner is going to get probably the same or extremely co- close to Austin Matthews, John Tavares money. You know why? Because Kyle Dubas cannot negotiate. He overpaid William Nylander. He got Austin Matthews at, you know, it's pretty. It's a pretty rich deal he got Matthews at, but only at five years. Like, 
Kyle Dubas has shown absolutely nothing when it comes to negotiating a contract that is friendly towards the hockey team. Like, their their situation that they're going to be in after this offseason with those three guys, like, it's scary, man. Like, look at any other hockey. There's no other hockey team that's paying three guys $11 million. And you look at all the teams left in the playoffs right now, no one is making over $10 million on any of those hockey teams. And I know this playoff is kind of uh, a unique one and one we haven't seen in a while in terms of the, the team still in it and where they seed it and everything. But I, I just have no faith that Kyle Dubas is going to negotiate and play hardball for a team-friendly, not team-friendly, like Mitch Marner's not taking a hometown discount, but, you know, but he's not playing hardball to make sure he gets him in at a certain number. I, 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 he proved that when he gave William Nylander $7 million, which was a joke. And gave Austin Matthews a five-year deal. Yeah, and you know what? Austin Matthews, you were kind of in a tough bind with Austin Matthews. Like th- that one I'll give him because what you just said, like a scoring top centerman, those are really hard to come by, and every single hockey team is looking for them. So you kind of well, had to give Austin Matthews what he wanted. but. Well, to your point about Dubas negotiating, so I've got, like I said, I've got my list of points here, and I'm going to jump down like three or four because it's relevant to the conversation we're having. Um, Darren Dreger reported today that they've been in talks with Andreas Janssen in his camp and saying that Janssen is looking for a $3 million per year deal. The Leafs have offered $2.1 million for two years and two point six for four, and Janssen's camp said no to both of those. So... That contract that they're offering, in my opinion, is more than fair for a guy like Andreas Janssen. Has shown flashes at times, but still has a long way to go to be considered elite. The talent is there, but he's still got to prove it, in my opinion. Well, even and three million dollars like that—that's like there's not a lot of unreal hockey players making three million. Like you know, like it's- to your to your point though, Ryan. Even Andreas Janssen and his camp are so confident in that they can take Kyle Dubas for a ride that they're playing hardball. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone has had a chance to catch Brian Burke on on Hockey Central or see him on any of the Sportsnet broadcasts. And me personally, I'm not the biggest Brian Burke fan on planet Earth. He may deliver lines in a funny way, but he's run some hockey teams in some silly ways. But he said it best, like, he opened up the floodgates as soon as he offered William Nylander $7 million after a long negotiation. And I I completely agree with that. Now, these agents, they're just, they can just play hardball with Dubas. And guess what? He, the, the, the past shows that this guy is willing to bend and give your client what he wants, the player what he wants so I honestly Kyle Dubas has a lot to prove to me when it comes to negotiating contracts and being tough and making sure he doesn't overpay because so far he's kind of overpaid all the time and well I know he's still a young guy but Kapanen's or sorry Janssen has has arb rights so if they can't come to a deal they're going to arbitration and so if the arbiter says three million for this guy then the Leafs have to pay it or trade his rights. So, what? so I like. So here's the thing: like if they blow the doors off with Marner, this is why it's so important. And if you like, I heard Chris Johnson say the other day that he thinks the pitch to Marner will be 
like they're gonna they're gonna meet with Marner and his camp, and it's gonna be this elaborate presentation about how like we need to sign you at this number because then after that we need the money to do X, Y, and Z, and and if you're in too high, then we can't win a cup. So it's like sort of pandering. It's too late for that. It's too late. You shouldn't have signed John Tavares then. Yeah. Like to me, if that's your pitch, you should have told you should have let Johnny T sign with another hockey team. As soon as you sign John Tavares to an $11.5 million contract, that put you in a serious situation with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, and especially after the year Mitch Marner had. And going back to the season, he proved that he was the absolute engine for the team, was providing offense every single night, made John Tavares have a career year. So as soon as you inked that contract with Johnny T, and as soon as you inked that contract with William Nylander at $7 million, like, you're putting yourself in a serious situation. And why should Mitch Marner take any less than those guys? Because we talked about it all year. Like, what's the argument? Okay, cool argument. So what? Like, doesn't mean I'm taking it. Like, I'm here for me. I'm here to make my money and make my brand. Like, I don't care about your cup-winning team. Figure it out. Like, I just, dude, they're going to be in a bat. Like, this rebuild has come, like, it's ended real quick. So and the Shanna plans ended real quick. So like, what do you what do you think? Um, switching over to Kapanen and Janssen, who are RFA's and also need new contracts. Where are you at with them? Like, are you looking to move one of or both of those guys? Like, I think Kapanen doesn't have our arbitration rights, so you can play like you can be a little um, play more hardball with him, but. Janssen, it's like, what do you what do you do? Like, do you do you just look to move his rights? If you look at the statistics, basically what Andreas Janssen is is what Connor Brown was two or three years ago when he got 20 goals that season, and then he signed for $2.5 million, given Connor Brown's a Toronto kid and probably just wanted to play for the Maple Leafs, so probably could have got higher somewhere else after a 20-goal season but decided to stick around. Me, personally, I, I do not, would not be sad in the slightest if Andreas Janssen and Casper Kapanen were wearing another uniform next year. Interesting. Like, There's a lot of people who would disagree with you on that. Oh, cool. Like, I, I just, you know what? Like, it, 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 be careful. Don't get too attached to these guys. Like, I've seen teams in the past be have somewhat success. You get too attached to the players on the team, and what ends up happening is it becomes a dumpster fire a couple of years later. Well, no, listen, I, I agree with you. I'm of the opinion that based on how this season... This was an ugly ending to this season. This wasn't a nice ending. You're not ending the season on a positive note. And this is like a, another reason why I think they need to try and work something out with Marner that's team-friendly is because they got to switch out some of the parts on this team. You can't, you can't trot the same group of guys out here that like top to bottom, like your core star players are intact, but you can't you can't trot the same roster out next year and expect people to buy in. Like there has to be some change made here. Like there has to be just based on the way this season ended. You can't you can't just come back with it. So if you got to move on from a captain or a Janssen, you need to use those two guys to get some help on your blue line and knock yes, yourself out. Exactly, like hundred percent, hundred percent. Like knock yourself out. Go for it. The, they've got themselves, like we just said, we could, they've got themselves in such a bind with these three contracts with when Marner's going to sign that it's kind of like you can't get attached to these guys anymore because there's no room. If, if a guy has a couple good years on his entry level and is demanding 
any sort of money. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's three million. It doesn't seem like a lot, but when you have three guys at thirty-three million of your cap taken up, it, it, it is a lot. It, and you got Morgan Riley, and you got all these other guys. To me, just I, I don't. You get, you got your three guys in place, and now everyone else is inter- interchangeable. Actually, now throw Morgan Riley in there. You got you got your four guys in place, and everyone else can either stay or go. Look at the Chicago Blackhawks, man. Like, how many how many wingers have gone in and out of that franchise for yeah. the past ten years? Like, yeah. and Pittsburgh. It's just exactly Pittsburgh. Is, there's always a bunch of nobodies on on Crosby's wing or Malkin's wing. There are guys coming up from the A. Like, it, you can't when you have this predicament in your salary cap. You you cannot get attached to these guys. And Andreas Janssen and Casper Kapanen. I like watching them play hockey. They're skilled guys. They're fast. They can help your hockey team. To me, they're the exact same hockey player. So you pick one or the other. Yeah. Because you can get some. I, I think you should trade Kapanen because you you can get more for Kapanen. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I, I'm not, I'm separating myself from being too attached to players I've watched all season or last season. Like it's time to face the reality. You're in a cap crunch. People are going to be in and out. And you still need to find year. ways to to change some of these parts while you're in said cap crunch. Like you need to improve your blue line. If you want to come back next year and have a chance to uh, be better than you were this year, your your blue line's got to get better. Hundred percent. So you need to look at what assets you have. Yeah, and yeah, I'll, you know what? Turn all your focus to getting another blue liner. You know what? If you're if you're gonna spend. I'd rather you take the three million a piece for Cabinet and Yonson and use it for six million on a, on a on a good defenseman, personally. Because that blue line is just whoa. Like like wow. Oh, Callie Rosen's coming though. It's like it, this this blue line, like if they want to go anywhere with this Brendan Shanahan era, Mike Babcock era, Kyle Dubas era, they need to add another defenseman or four. Like it's I get all the skill and scoring, but your your three top dogs should be able to provide offense for you. Plus Nazem Kadri, you still have a top three center. Top your top three centers are still elite in this league. So well, to me, Ryan, you work Ryan, off that. Let's. Uh, I'm going to cut you off right there because a huge topic of discussion since the season has ended, and you just transitioned beautifully, beautifully for me. Do you think Nazem Kadri will be a Maple Leaf next season? Hundred percent. I'm with you I, on that. I'll, I'll go one hundred percent. There's been speculation that management is not the happiest with Nazem uh, because he once again took himself. Do you believe if Nazem Kadri didn't get suspended, the Leafs win the series against the Bruins? No, no. Interesting. I, I think, think they have a better shot. Uh, I think that I I disagree with you a little bit on that. I think they have a I think they have a better shot. They might still lose, but I think they have a better chance of winning Game Six if he's in the lineup and you don't have Nylander centering that third line. That's that's yeah. that's my opinion. Kadri so, just had to. Kadri just wasn't that good this year. Well, here's Period. the thing. Here's like, the thing about Nazem Kadri, and this is why I think he's not going anywhere. We've just spent the last what ten minutes talking about the Leafs cap crunch. Nazem Kadri still makes you have the best center depth in the league, and he's on an unreal deal with a $4 million cap hit. So when you're a team that has salary cap issues, that's the type of contract that you're looking for, and he's got it, so I don't think Nazem's going anywhere. 
and I think the coach loves him, and I think I think I you know what they may not be happy the way he got suspended, but like what are you gonna do? Like what are you gonna tr- like? You need that the one thing I I to me wingers can go in and out. You can find any winger and put him on a good line with a good center. To me, if you're gonna keep some guys around, keep your centers around. Don't worry about these fast wingers who. Who impress you with their speed through the neutrals? Like you can find wingers. This is well, Ryan, another thing Ryan, that I need to focus on it, too. Again. Wouldn't this be what you would say if you were across the table negotiating with Mitch Marner? Yeah, but Mitch Marner's different, though. Mitch okay. Marner had ninety-four points, and if you but but you, if you're, you're across the table to trying be... to get him to to if you're negotiating with him, that's your argument. The position he plays. Yeah. Like that's I it. just don't. I just. I don't think they're gonna win that battle with him, though. No, I don't think so either. Like they, 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 they could win that battle with with a uh, with Andreas Janssen, but I don't think they're gonna win that battle with Mitch Marner because yeah. it's like, okay, get rid of Mitch Marner, see what happens. Like, okay, yeah. like we all know how important he is to this hockey team. Yep, it's true. I, I I'm just saying, I just don't want people to get so upset because Casperi Kapitan's not around. It's like okay, well, he's, well, he's people a get, nice player. People get uh, emotionally attached to these guys. Yeah. One person who I don't think anyone has any more emotional attachment to, who I think has played his last game as a Toronto Maple Leaf, is Jake Gardner. Gardner Gone. got emotional. Um, Locker cleanout day, just finally acknowledging the fact that he likely won't be back, even if they wanted to have him back. Again, to reference Brian Burke, he said that he thinks Gardner needs a new start and a new area code. I agree with that too. Um, even if the Leafs wanted to have him back, it'll be too expensive for them. So he's going to move on. Ryan, how will you remember Jake Gardner as a Toronto Maple Leaf? Oh, that's a tough question, man. I, I don't even have a quick answer for you. A guy Jake who had Gardner tons a believe. A guy who had tons of skill, tons of offensive off upside, but just could never really put it all together. You know what he is? He's just another Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman who was run out of town because of his inconsistent play and his his his, his like you always wanted more watching Jake play. Like he's he's not a horrible defenseman. He's 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 a good defenseman, but when you're put in a position to play a top four role, and you went to sleep as much as he did sometimes, like people aren't gonna like you. And he he and when the, the games, the, his worst games of his career were all big hockey games. You know, like yeah. he he could show up on a Tuesday night against the Hurricanes at the Scotiabank in January, but game sevens. Playoff games, the, the giveaways, the the just everything combined. It's just Jake had a rough go here. The the word you think of is just polarizing. I think now that he's left, I think it's like an eighty twenty hatred. Like eighty percent hate him, twenty percent like him. Like everyone I talk to, Leaf fans, ask him about Jake Gardner, they all hate him. Like he, they're all dying to see him well, go. Yeah, that's why I think and happy he, that he's he needs gone. a fresh start. He needs a fresh start someplace else, for sure. The yeah. fan base oh, yeah. is tired of it, and he. I don't know if it's starting to get in his head or what, but yeah, he definitely needs um a fresh start someplace else. Sticking yeah. with the blue line, Ryan, 
if you could get him on a team-friendly contract, would you bring Ron Hainsey back? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so would I. Dude, they're, 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 they're thin back there. And I know Jake, you can't afford Jake, and you're kind of like, you're kind of sick of him. So when he, even though he's okay, you're like, oh, whatever, Jake's leaving. It's nice to to, to kind of get a fresh face in there. But, dude, their, their defense is like pretty, pretty thin back there. Like, I don't think you could be relying on these Lilligrens and Sandines. To well, apparently, come up they, this apparently year. they like, love Sandin. Apparently, Sandin is like he's considered the top number one prospect in the organization. Yeah, and that's nice. Like that's I'm shy. I don't watch a lot of Marley's games or junior hockey games, but it, it to me it, it's tough to come up and make an impact uh, as a 19 year old, 20 year old in this league, unless you're like. Uh, a star like a like a number one overall pick yeah so I, I wouldn't be relying on these guys next year to come in and fill some sort of top four role the guy who's got to step up next year is Travis Dermott yeah he's the guy who's taken the biggest leap like he's got a full year under his belt and now he's going to be relied upon heavily and they got they got Muzzin coming back so that, that that's good I'm they got Zaitsev still but now you're looking at like the Cali Rosens of the world. And it's like, you can listen to Sportsnet. You can listen to 590. All these guys talking about Cali Rosen. They like the way he's playing in the AHL. But to me, that just means nothing. Like, let's see this guy come up and actually play a string of games in this league. Because I guarantee you, half a season in, a lot of Leaf fans are being like, this guy stinks. So yeah, let, let's hold our breath on the Cali Rosens of the world. They're going to have to go out and get another guy. Like, right. they have to. All right, last thing on the on the roster. We've got all um, offseason to talk about what we want to see from Matthews next year and all and all that sort of thing, and Tavares and... All, all the the core guys, Freddie, Riley, all that. So we're we're gonna we'll save discussion on those players for another time. But the last thing on the roster I want to discuss, Patrick Marlowe. I think it is absolutely imperative that Kyle Dubas do everything he possibly can to either trade Patrick Marlowe. Or the least likely of the two convince him to retire, which I don't think is going to happen. So they are going to have to find a way to trade Patrick Marlowe. And let me just say, this is not fair to Patrick Marlowe. It's not his fault that Lou Lamorello signed him to that contract. It's it's not his fault. But the Leafs are in a situation, as we've said hundreds of times with their cap, that you can't be playing this player that money for that amount of production and for the role he plays on the team despite how much the head coach wants to force him into a top six role he's not a top six player and Ryan I think on in my personal opinion Ryan I think getting Marner done is priority number one for Kyle Dubas and then Figuring out what you're going to do with Patrick Marlowe is priority number two. That's that if that's my pecking order of important things to do this offseason. Yeah, it's a tough situation, but I think the only positive that comes out of Marlowe is at least he's got one more year left. Like if he had like four more years, he'd be like, oh my, what are we going to do with this? 
And I know you want to have success. Like, they don't have time to be waiting, you know? Like, it's three first-round exits. It's time to get going. You need to win a round. You need to make a run. Everyone's getting a little bit older. Everyone's starting to make more money. But at least it's not like a Zaitsev five, four more years left on the deal. It's it's one more year left. If you got to live with them for one more year, so be it. That just means they have more cap room going in the next season. But we don't have the patience to be waiting a whole nother season with this guy around and he's watching him play. He's brutal. So I, I honestly, I can't even, I am not even intelligent, smart enough to know how to handle that situation, how to get under that situation. Cause I know he's got, maybe, maybe a team will be like, you know what? I like Patrick Marlowe. I'll take him on the one year, 6.5. We got some cap room. It's whatever. But if other general managers and, and, NHL scouts are watching Patrick Marlowe play like I'm pretty sure they'd be advising their general manager to be like yeah let's let's not do that so it's gonna be a tough tough contract to get out from under this year do you think the Maple Leafs will name a captain this offseason and if so who oh man that's a tough question I like to I like to think yes and I think it's going to be Austin Matthews. I agree with you. Um, just because it's Austin Matthews. And I think he kind of proved it in the first round that he should be the captain. And, and that, that he wants it. He is the best player on the team. And he is the biggest game changer when it really comes down to it. When he's really playing his game. As much as we love Mitch Marner. But yeah, I, 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 I could see them just cheaping out and not naming one like it wouldn't shock me no enough's enough with this like this is what i'm talking about like enough's enough with this crap this has been three years of this now four years of it now enough's enough like it's time to change the narrative of this team a little bit this little cutesy we're a bunch of kids we don't have a captain yet is over all right you guys you you guys you blew it this year and you got to turn a corner and so um I'm going to quote Chris Johnson again because he's by far my favorite Leaf insider. It's not even close. The organization the organization changed the day Austin Matthews was drafted first overall. Put the C on him. I know you and I both at times this year were saying Riley. I think Riley would also be a good choice, but I just think realistically Austin Matthews is the guy and enough is enough. And he, and his entry level's over. It's not like you handed some kid some captain yeah, exactly. that he didn't deserve. Exactly. He's He's snot, snot-nosed kid who's spoiled first overall pick. The guy's done his three years. He he's He's had a good three years statistically. He could score the lights out. Finally showed up in a big series. And I think it's just time to stop trying to... Like, oh, we want to avoid the whole Toronto drama narrative by naming it. It's like, just name that. Who cares? Why is so much thought being put into this? Like, what is the big deal? Like, just put the C on the guy. Like, really, at the end of the day, what does a captain do? Like, it's the Mark Messier days are over, you know? Like, it's the guy's just wearing the C because he's your franchise player, not because he has to be the most incredible leader and be, be a guy who sparks a locker room no he's the best player on the team and he's got the ability to change a hockey game with one wrist shot so put the c on him let's stop this stupid talk i'm sick of this like 
we'll spend another weeks talking about this. Like, let's just just name the captain, please. Ryan, it is time for the main event of the evening. The number one topic that I've wanted to discuss since last Thursday's locker cleanout is finally upon us. Without a doubt, the biggest talking point, point of contention, whatever you want to call it, since the Game 7 loss to Boston has been Mike Babcock and his deployment of the roster, distribution of ice time, and his comments after the game about how he felt like Patrick Marlowe should be out there and then getting up and storming out after being asked that question, like, how dare... um, you ha- how dare you have the audacity to ask me that question? Then, on locker cleanout day, the man did himself no favors and once again proved that he is one of the more control. yeah He's one of control, the more man. arrogant egomaniacs on planet Earth. When he basically, you know what I learned about him, Ryan? He believes what he did and how he coached was right. And if we were back here all over again, he be Patrick Marlowe would be out there again in the final few minutes of the game. He did himself no favors. He took zero responsibility. He took nothing on his shoulders. He didn't say one thing where he felt he could have improved. He once again, criticized the depth of the roster. Then his boss, Kyle Dubas comes out takes everything on the chin, took the Nylander contract situation on the chin, took uh, the Leafs penalty kill being bad on the chin and their power play being bad on the chin. I don't understand how he's taken that on the chin, but whatever he did anyway. And then in the most... So here's the thing. Here's the thing, okay? I think we can all agree, and I think it's been proven that... Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas are not on the same page. They see the game differently. They believe in different philosophies when it comes to what makes a winning hockey team. But the one thing that Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan all have in common is they're not dummies. And they have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. And... You'd have to have been like living under a rock to not be aware of the criticism that was being thrown at Mike Babcock for the way he coached in the series and specifically Game 7. So you'd think that Kyle Dubas would come out and even even if there is some discussion going on behind closed doors about Babcock's future, in the in public and to the media, he's going to put ice on that fire and he's going to say, he's our coach. This speculation is not going anywhere. The speculation is ridiculous. He's not going anywhere, etc., etc. Ryan, he did not say that. When he was asked about if Mike Babcock will definitely be on the team next year, he said, I think the way I look at this is that Shani has to decide on me first and do an evaluation of me, which I think any organization would be best to do. Once that is done, we evaluate everybody. And he goes on to say more about we could win the Stanley Cup and it would be the same process, yada, yada, yada. But all he had to do there was say, no, Mike's our coach. His track record speaks for himself, blah, 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 blah. And then even if you do make a decision behind closed doors, 
at least in the media, you're you're trying to put that fire out. And since then, the criticism of Babcock, the, the, the noise is only being turned up. The pressure and the heat is only being turned up. And Dubas still, or Shani too, still have yet to come out and give a public endorsement of their head coach going into next season. Ryan, this is a fascinating situation. And one of the bigger storylines heading into the offseason is the future of Mike Babcock. Your thoughts. First of all, Mike Babcock's ego is out of control. It yep. is out of control. Yep. Like, whoa. He thinks he's Bill Belichick. He does. He thinks he's Bill Belichick. And as someone who's a diehard Patriots fan and has watched every Super Bowl since Tom Brady's donned the sweater in every playoff game and all the different pieces that Bill Belichick's handled on his team and how he makes duds into superstars, Mike You've won one cup, buddy. Like, let's not... I get it. I know everyone's quick to call him one of the best coaches in the world. Haven't been out of the first round in years. You know what the Olympic gold medals mean to me in terms of coaching? Nothing. I don't count those towards being a good coach. You had the greatest roster ever assembled... Oh yeah, the, 20, the 2014 Olympics. the 2014 Sochi team was like the greatest hockey team ever assembled. Like I, I'm sorry, I don't count that towards your coaching record. It was a great accomplishment. I'm happy for you. At the end of your career, you've won two gold medals for your country. You can be proud of that. But when it comes to the National Hockey League, this guy has won one Stanley Cup. That is it. And at the end of the day, no matter how many minutes he played Austin Matthews or Patrick Marlowe, He's been bounced three years in a row in the first round. And I'm pretty sure if you go back in his career, it's been more than that being bounced out of the first round. This guy, he may be smart. He'll get your team to the playoffs. But when it's crunch time, his ego is showing to take over. And chances are it's probably going to hurt you. So I I was kind of defensive of him after game seven because I thought it was kind of on the players a little bit. But dude, after hearing that, that, that press conference like the guy is out of control and all all this is going to end up in one way just how it ends up with every hockey team the coach is gonna get fired at some point and I don't care if you're Mike Babcock Joel Joel Quenville heck bring Scotty Bowman out of retirement the coach is gonna get fired at some point and I see him one more year if they don't win a Stanley Cup or if they don't make it to a conference final or even went around. They get bounced in the first round again. See you later, Mike. And I, it's I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen. But I've I've changed my stance in that. Like last week, I said it's not going to happen, and it is what it is, and I'm not going to think about it too much because it just there's no change in the fact. But the the comments made by Kyle Dubas combined with the fact that no one's come out and publicly endorsed Babcock has me thinking that maybe this is more of a real possibility than we think it is. And if I can be completely honest with you, Ryan, I'd like to see it happen. I think you said it right off the top of the show. One year later, we are still in a situation where our coach got out coached by Bruce Cassidy. Um, the, he didn't play our star player enough and he's shoving the, washed old veterans out there because Mike's still coaching like it's 1997 and I've just I've I've had enough like listen taking all the emotion out of it I've been waiting all week to say this 
I'm going to put Mike Babcock in the same sort of place that I put Lou Lamorello. Bringing Mike Babcock in here when he came in was a good thing for this organization. This organization was, for lack of a better term, a shit show before he got here. Okay? The days of Phil Kessel going off the ice to pay for the food while Peter Horachuk is running practice were over the day Mike Babcock showed up. He brought stability and discipline and being prepared and all those things to this team. And he should be commended for that and that he's taken this team to consecutive 100-point seasons. Again, just it was necessary. However, his ego has gotten too big. He's like it's almost like he's lost perspective and has become delusional. His ego's gotten too big and I genuinely believe in my heart he doesn't know how to relate to, understand and deploy the young players. He just doesn't get it. And because his ego is so massive, he's so set in his ways that he it's not going to be something that he's going to be able to correct. I just don't believe that it's something that he's going to be able to correct. So I think bringing Mike Babcock back for one more season just keeps your organization in the same complacent place. And I just, I'm, this team is not going to take the next step. And this group of players are not going to be pushed and lifted up to the next level as long as he's behind the bench. I I truly believe that. And I think the time has come now to make the coaching change. Now, his detractors say they bring up the 100-point seasons and they say, well, who are you going to get to replace him? Which is a good question. Obviously, we all lean towards Sheldon Keefe because that's well, this is This is a guy. whole separate argument for yeah. me. It's 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 the Mike Babcock thing and then there's that. To me, everything you just laid out, Mike Babcock's not a bad coach. And what you brought up with the whole Peter Horacek and the way this franchise operated before he got here, it's an unbelievable point. Like, it's so true. And you know what? Babcock's perfect for that. But he's a guy, he'll get you in the playoffs. He's a good coach. He'll get you in the playoffs. But when it comes down to crunch time, all he's proven so far is that you're angry at him once it's over because there's a lot of decisions he's made that have you scratching your head. And it's just because of his own ego. For no other reason, I don't care. Don't don't give me the amount of shot attempts that Marlowe had at the net. Come on, man, open your eyes. Like, you know, you know. I, Again, I don't know. It's like, like, there's Ryan. There's something in his brain. There's like a wire crossed in his brain that he that he can't figure out putting these young guys in those situations. He just looks at the bench and he sees Marlowe and he sees Hainsey and he's like, you two. You're my guys, and Johnny, and like, I just, if I was a media member, I know you would get fired immediately and never let back into the Scotiabank Arena again, but if he said that to me, and if I was a reporter, I'd just look back at him and be like, why are you lying right now? Like, what, like. But Ryan, that's the thing. Ryan, like, he's, Ryan, that's the thing, and this is why I think it's like, why to you, remove why him. Why are you being stupid? But like, that's the thing. Ryan, he's not lying. 
He's not lying. He he genuinely believes in his head and in his heart that he's doing the right thing and we're all idiots. Like, that's the thing about Babs. Like, th- and that's why I said, like, he's borderline delusional. Like, there's no lying. Like, there's no, like, he's in denial. Like, nothing. Like, he... We could play Game 7 over again tonight against the Boston Bruins and the the same situation could be happening and in the final six minutes, Patrick Marlowe would be on the ice every other shift. That's just the way he operates. And that's why I think this team is built through... Uh, they're young speed skill analytical thinking type that's the way they're built and you need a coach who understands Kyle Dubas's like vision better than Mike Babcock does and that's why I think the time has come I don't know I don't know if they're waiting to see what happens with the Marlies I don't know like whatever I don't know if they're embarrassed to like they made such a show of bringing Babcock in here and now they're just gonna fire him and shove him out the door. I don't know what it is, but something's got to be done. And I, I don't believe it. I just don't believe that this team can go to the next level with him behind the bench. He's proven it now three years in a row. Well, I think if it was up to Brendan Shanahan, he, he, Mike Babcock would be around for another year at least. But if you're, if you think that Brendan Shanahan has given Kyle Dubas full power and the buck stops at Kyle Dubas, then I, it's a possibility that he could go because for all the reasons we just laid out, you know what? The X's and O's of this game are important, but at the end of the day, it's a free flowing hockey game. It's not, we're not drawing up defensive coverages for a hockey game. It's all about how can you get the best out of your team, you know? And, I feel like personally, I, I've said this so many times. If I was a player on Mike Babcock's hockey team and I played for him for four years, I, I'd probably hate him by now because he's just such a like. Bleh. Like well, you, you know, saw, like after, you saw like, what makes him unlikable in his end of the well, season. After a while, conference. his just, whole shtick yeah, he's is just, so like, full you're of telling him sweating during his interviews because he just went for a run and his stupid drive train and his all stupid quotes like they're very quotable and entertaining but after a while being in there spending almost every day with him for for most of the year like you just be like dude like just quit just quit it man like just be a normal human being like just he's got he's got such a stick and an ego that it's just like after a while you'd be like all right mike like there's been so many interviews of Former hockey players have p- played for Babcock, and they all can't stand him. There's been a couple of guys who said they loved him, so he's he's polarizing for the guys who's played for him. But I, I just like I, I the only thing about hiring a new coach is like I don't let's not crown Sheldon Keefe as some like legend already, you know? Like no, you got to be I careful. And, and like, that's the thing. Like I don't want it to come off that like I'm sitting here being like Sheldon Keefe. We don't know. Yeah, Sheldon exactly. Keefe, okay? like, exactly. We don't. But what I do think I know and truly believe is that Babcock, he's, they're not, they're not going to the next level with Mike Babcock. And I I don't know, like maybe they're, they haven't come out and said anything because they are meeting right now and discussing it. Like, like 
if you're Kyle Dubas and Brandon Shanahan and you're sitting in a boardroom talking things over with Mike Babcock and he's reiterating to you what he believes, which is that Patty Marlowe should have been on the ice in the final six minutes of Game 7 and Austin Matthews should not, how do you how do you proceed? you got to take that offline away from Babs and the two of them go and meet in another room and go, what do we do with this? If, if, if Brendan Shanahan's sitting in an office with Kyle Dubas and he looks at him and goes, Kyle... I I didn't hire Mark Hunter. I didn't hire. Or I didn't bring back Lou. I promised you this job. I gave you this job, and the reason why I gave you this job is to to run the team the way you see fit because I believe in you. And if he gives him the power to that make make that decision of of firing Mike Babcock, even though Shanny was the one who technically brought him in, you got to look at Kyle Dubas and ask him: Is this guy like impeding you from? from the success you feel like you could have with this hockey team. I believe if the is. answer is yes, then you fire him. Well, then I you think, get rid of him. I think we need to start looking at Mike Babcock the way now we all look at Lou, which is this team was such a dumpster fire that it took those two sort of old school guys to come in and bring stability back to the organization. And now that you have stability back in the organization, it's back to being um, respectable. You can move on from these guys. And, and again, you, Ideally, like you're like you don't want to move on from Babs. We paid him all this money. There's so much hype around him, but he just proves time and time again that the guy's vision for the game is super dated. His the way he he like relies on veteran players is super dated. He just he doesn't. And again, I've said it all year. If Mike Babcock loses his job, based on what I've saw specifically this season. If Mike Babcock loses his job, he wants to be mad at somebody. Go look in the mirror, bud. Like you never. You did this. Oh, I know. And that and that's why I another reason why he just comes off so unlikable because he's just Oh, you know, depth yeah. and we gotta get better and guys gotta go with drive train and uh the way you get depth and you gotta get better players and blah blah blah. And it's just like, dude, God. And I, I don't want us talking about this to come off as, like, we're Kyle Dubas marks. Kyle Dubas is a lot of answer for oh. himself as well. Oh, like, I, I have I have a lot of questions that I want answered from Kyle Dubas and things he, he needs to learn and get better at because I, I didn't think he had the most sweetheart season as a general Listen, manager You said either. it earlier in the, in the episode. We're not Kyle Dubas marks. You flat out criticized him for getting fleeced on pretty much every contract negotiation he's had so far. Yeah, and he made the biggest mistake of his general managing career a weekend, saying, are you going to sign all these guys? And he said, quote, we can and we will. Like, that was the dumbest thing he could have said early. Like, that, that, that that's a huge mistake. I'm sure he's learned from that, too. Like, there's being a smart guy, and then there's being arrogant and being the cool guy. Like, you just got to not say things like that. And then there's the whole weird thing with William Nylander being promised not to be traded. Like that that was that was silly too. And so was that whole contract. So I don't I don't want to come off as like we're Kyle Dubas marks chirping Babcock, but it comes down to this. If your general manager and your coach are not getting along and there's tension, one of them needs to go and usually it's the coach who goes first. So it's not about who's right, who's wrong. And Shanny's. Let's not forget who Shanny's wagon is hitched to. And yes, he did bring in Babcock, but 
his wagon is hitched to Kyle Dubas. And you can't have a rift between your general manager and your coach. That's a nightmare. That that yeah, they may not always agree on things, but I feel like it's a little past the point of just disagreements. Like now it's like I want to do this this way, you want to do it this way, and I will do everything I can not to do it your way. Like that that that's kind of what Babcock's saying to Dubas. And Dubas going, I don't care what you think, I'm gonna do things my way. So whoever you like more one of them needs to go and in hockey and in all sports it's always the coach that goes first before the general manager but keep in mind once Kyle Dubas fires his first coach that kind of puts the clock clock on him too like he's on the clock so let's like even though I don't think I think Brendan Shanahan is with Kyle Dubas for the long run but it's you don't want to be going through a bunch of coach. You don't want to be the Philadelphia Flyers. Like you don't want to be a team or or the Buffalo Sabers. They're just running through head coaches. But it's it's pretty clear after all of this that Mike Babcock is just like what? How how is he going to change? How are things going to get better? Like and that's that's to me why that's why I have no optimism. Like I just don't see. Uh, a scenario in which we come back next year and he's doing all the things that we want him to do. I think the the only way you're going to get him to do that is if you take all his veterans away from him. And what we also learned from Mike Babcock this year is he's not afraid to take a shot at his uh, employer in the in the media and criticize his team's depth in the media. So, yeah. which is another thing. There's like at some point it's just like Mike, stop. Yeah. So. That this is this is the off season story yep. for everyone. It, it's it's the Marner contract. It's who Marner. they got to get rid of to fit under the cap. How are they going to make it all work? And then there's the Mike Babcock. Yep, hundred percent. And uh, we'll just have to sit back and watch it all unfold. Just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who went on this journey with us this season. We had a blast. Um, thanks to those of you who sent messages to us on Instagram. We really appreciate it. The, um, the plan for the summer is we'll, we'll, we're not going cold Turkey for the summer. We'll be around. We'll do some shows here and there. If any big news breaks, we'll be doing a show ASAP immediately following that. So we'll still be around. We'll still be on social and stuff. And that's the plan for the summer. And Ryan will be right back for training camp in the fall. Oh yeah, buddy. Let's get a flyby. Yep. That that's yeah. Well, it's you got the draft and you got the 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 July one and after July one it kind of gets tough. But you never know. Someone can get fired. Someone can get traded. Someone can get signed. And we'll be right there, ready to talk about it as soon as it happens. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. We will see you when we see you. Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada. Four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. My co-host, Roland Tanner, and I 
tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Or you can visit us at 905er.ca to subscribe. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.